Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. It's good to be with you. Hey, if you haven't done so yet, I haven't told you this for a couple weeks yet, but if you're here physically, uh, take out your phone, and, and if, you, if you have Facebook, sh- share, share what's going on right now. There's somebody that, that you're friends with right now that, that needs Jesus. Like You don't, you don't got to tell them they need Jesus. You're just going to share this message on your, on your Facebook, YouTube, if you want to do that. Uh, you can, I don't know how you share YouTube. I guess you text or whatever. Uh, and then just let them know. Let, let them watch. We're talking about forgiveness today. And I think whether you're a, whether you're a follower of Christ or you're, or you're not, you're gonna, there's going to be something in this message that has the ability to change your life. Looking forward to next week, uh, we're going to take a break in this sermon series, and we're going to have uh, something called Compassion Sunday. Uh, we're going we're gonna to introduce you to our organization called Compassion International, and we've been working with them for, I don't know, probably for 10 years now. We're, we've been giving people an opportunity to, to partner with that organization. And here's what I, what I, what I, what I want to tell you. Don't skip church next week because you think, oh my gosh, they're going to shake us down and ask us for, for money. Uh, so I'm not going to come because it's not all about me. And here's why. Two reasons. If you're really serious about your walk with Christ, uh, that attitude looks nothing like Jesus. Amen? Like that's, if you only come when it's about you and your, your, your problems and all that stuff, you're just going to have a bunch of problems for the rest of your life. When you make your life not about yourself, your problems seem to fade away. That, that, that's how, how it works. And this, this next, next week is going to be one of the most powerful Sundays that we'll do all, all year. It's changed my life. Uh, it's impacted my family. Some of you have kids. You're like, I want to teach my kids to not be selfish. It's such an amazing organization to be a part of where you can take your eyes off of yourself and you can focus it on the needs of other people because of the overabundance that most of us have. Amen. And so be here next week. Don't skip it. It's going to be an awesome, awesome Sunday. But we are, so then we'll jump back in the week after. But we're in week number two in this sermon series on forgiveness called Shake the Dust. You remember last week, uh, I introduced you to this saying in the book of Matthew, I believe chapter 11, where Jesus sends his disciples out, kind of a, a, a dress rehearsal mission. He's going to go down the cross soon, and now they're going to be sent for good. Kind of a dress rehearsal in groups of two to kind of get their feet wet. He says, go out, you're going to heal people, you're going you're to preach the, the good news, you're going to have to stay with people. Some of them you're going to like, and you're going to want to give them a good review on their Airbnb, you're going to give them your peace, and some of them you're not going to like, and, and here's what I don't want you to do. When you leave, don't leave your peace with them. Don't, don't be bitter and angry at them. He says, shake the dust. Live your life free. For me to do what I want to do in your life, you can't be shackled by bitterness and resentment and and, and anger. And so we started last week. I said, listen, I can't show you the power of forgiveness until I show you the person of forgiveness. His name is Jesus. And then we kind of walk through how it happens, how it works. Unforgiveness happens when somebody is allowed to take what's hurt them and transfer it into your hands. And so now you're holding the hurts of somebody else. Forgiveness, though, happens when you take all of your hurts, all the things that have been done to you, and you transfer those into the hands of Jesus. That's the power of, of the gospel. And so that's where we started. We're going to take a look at bitterness and, and, and looking at things in your life again in a different perspective over the next couple of weeks. But today I want to talk to you uh, about you, actually. Like, I want to talk to you about a, a word uh, that I think a lot of us have dealt with in our life. The word is, is shame. Shame. What, what shame? Shame is, is, is making a mistake without any way out. Shame. 
things you've done in your life that you don't know how to fix on your own. Things you look back on. Let me give you some attributes of shame. Shame has absolutely no resolution. You can't repent from it because shame is not about what you did. Shame actually has a way of, of becoming who you are. Shame is a result of not meeting an expectation, uh, of not getting the approval of somebody else, of being looked down upon by somebody that you wanted to look up to. You wanted somebody to look up to you. And it's shame is, is a problem for many of us. Think about your life, what you've been through, the mistakes that you made. Shame is, is guilt with no way out. In fact, I would say it like this. You ever been in a, in a, in a, in a mirror maze? Right? Don't go in a mirror maze. That's where people die. People die in a mirror maze. Every year we go down to Myrtle Beach and we go, we go by Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Right? And on the front, it, the front of it, it has a mirror maze uh, exhibit where you can go in. We've never went because it looks stupid. And so, and I'm not paying all that money. And so, but I don't want to go in there and get lost and die. Right? I've seen too many movies. But the truth is, the reason a mirror maze is ridiculous is because everywhere you turn, who do you see? You. Everywhere you turn, every corner you go, you are, you are infiltrated with the image of you being a loser in a mirror maze, right? And getting scared and wanting to text somebody, come save me, help me, ah, right? And so, like every, and that is guilt. Guilt, everywhere you turn, the reflection is of your, of your failures. All the mistakes that you made, the affairs that you have, the abortions that you went through, the addictions that you can't get over, the times that you've lost it, the times that you've cheated, the, the times that you've gossiped, the relationships that have been broken. If you're a parent and you didn't do things the way you wish you would have done it and your kids are grown, shame is a constant reminder of the mistakes that you made. Shame. Shame is guilt with no way out. In, in fact, the Romans in, the, in, the, in, in Jesus' time, they had all sorts of ways to torture and kill people, one of which was crucifixion. Um, but another thing they used to do, if you were a murderer and you got caught, they would take the murdered corpse and they would chain it to your body face to face. You can Google and research this. They would chain you to the corpse of the person that you murdered face to face and let them kill you slowly. It was their attempt to let you know you're guilty and there's no way out. Here, right in front of your face for the rest of your life is you being, being shown how wrong that you've been. And some of you, you understand that. And what I want to do is I want to show you a passage in Scripture that I think is applicable. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and here's the thing about the Bible. I just want to give you a little, a little side note. Uh, you should read the Bible, right? Some of you are intimidated by it. It's really big. You don't understand it. Trying to figure out what to say. You call the guy Job. His name is Job. You felt like an idiot in a Bible thing. You're like, I don't, you know, you ever read Lamentations or, you know, you're like, I, don't, I just give up, right? Like, I'm just going to go Lord of the Rings, right? And so, like, but I'm just telling you, like, if you want to have a relationship with God, you have to read God's word. He's probably not going to verbally talk to you. Uh, and, and, and you can't, me and you, I can't be the only person who tells you what, what God says all the time. That's how you got the Catholic Church. That's why a lot of people are messed up. Like you have the ability to, to, to listen to God's word and do what it says and understand it. And so, but the cool thing about the Bible is oftentimes we read it as one big book, which, which it can be, but you can study it and look at it in context. And what that means is, is there's letters in the New Testament and they're written to certain cultures in certain contexts. And when you, when you study that part of it, and what I mean by study is just Google it, right? That's it. Some of you are like, Do you have a, I, don't, I don't have any commentaries in my office at all. I got rid of all of them because they invented something called Google. Why am I going to look through a commentary, right? 
So I don't have any of them. I just go to Google and I, and I research. I got a few websites that I go to so that I'll understand. I also go to the Bible app and I just, I just go to the information before you read a, Bible, a book of the Bible and it'll tell you exactly who it is. And when you understand who the person is writing to and why they're writing it, the, the Bible, it comes to life. And so what's really cool, this passage is from the church in Corinth. Now, Paul started this church. And what you need to understand about the church in Corinth, Corinthians, uh, Corinth was a lot like Las Vegas, Right? Like it, there's pastors plant churches. Uh, there's areas of, of America that are easy to plant a church. You go to the Bible Belt, it's pretty easy. And I'm not going to say it's, it's not, not hard at all, but a lot of people know, know, know Jesus and come to church. And there's other parts that are harder, harder ground. Las Vegas would probably be one of those. There's a lot of competition out there. And so Corinth was like that. They had a temple in Corinth. The religion was for you to go to the temple and sleep with prostitutes. That was how you worshiped God, which sounds like Las Vegas, right? Like you worship, you worship something. Like if you leave here and you go, you go to a grocery store, you'll quickly realize most people weren't at church today, but they are busy worshiping their stomachs getting groceries, right? Like they don't have, they don't can't, like that's, that's what we worship something. That is applicable everywhere. And so he starts this church in Corinth. They're, they're sleeping with their relatives. Like these, these people have baggage, right? Like if you, if you got problems, you would fit in well in the city of Corinth. And so Paul starts a church where he's talking about grace and forgiveness and, and Jesus. And as you can imagine, even though people are getting saved, they're probably still struggling with a heavy amount of shame and guilt. They're probably wondering, like, man, like I slept with my, my stepmom. Is there hope for me? You know, like I, I used to be a part of a religion where I went to a temple and I slept with prostitutes and now I feel really bad about what I've done because I belittled and degraded the, these, these humans and, and, and made mistakes and now I'm trying to follow Christ and I'm trying to be an upright citizen, but man, I made some mistakes. I got pregnant and I didn't want to be pregnant and I, I, I terminated that my pregnancy. Is there, is there hope? for me man is there is there hope in my situation to which paul tries to describe them something that is is so powerful so practical he says this in second corinthians 7 he says godly sorrow right brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret so i want, I want to show you this on stage so God, godly sorrow right every person on this earth starts with sorrow every one of us we all make mistakes we all fall short of the glory of god he says sorrow is here but godly sorrow leads to, watch this, leads to repentance. That's just you turning away from your old life and turning your life to God. Leads to repentance. When you repent, it brings salvation. What's salvation? Salvation is forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternity, life and life to the full. But you didn't earn it. You're just receiving it. You've turned your life to Christ, stepped into salvation. And listen to what the Bible says, and it lets you live with no regrets. Isn't that good news? I'm not talking about the lame 1990s, apparel line right you know i'm talking about no regrets you remember that if you grew up like that was really cool you knew it wasn't cool when it ended up in walmart then a couple years later you're like okay it's dead right that's where the cool brains from when i was a kid go to die right and so anyway and so all, all, all of a sudden no 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 regrets right like you get to live your life going man i'm regret free doesn't mean i haven't made mistakes because i started with sorrow but sorrow leads to repentance. Repentance brings salvation, new life, forgiveness of sins, grace, and mercy, and hope. And I get to live my life with no regrets. Watch what the passage says on the other hand, though. But then he says, but worldly sorrow, what does it do? It brings death. Sorrow, godly sorrow, brings life, no regrets. Worldly sorrow made a mistake. Christians make mistakes. Non-Christians make mistakes. Watch this. It brings, it brings death. 
So what I want to do is I want to explain clearly what God expects of you and what he doesn't expect of you in your sin. Because if you're not clear on this, one of them leads to death. One of them will lead you to walk away from the Lord. One of them will lead to frustration. The other one will lead to joy. The other one will lead to a more rich relationship with him where your, your worship is different and, and your gratefulness is different because you realize, man, I'm walking in forgiveness even though I've made a lot of mistakes. One leads to death. One leads to, to life. So let me be really clear with what God does and does not expect from you. I got four. Number one is this, is remember, God does not expect you to dwell on your sins. God does not expect you to dwell on your sins. We struggle with this one, by the way, because we're humans. If you're a parent, this might be one of the most uh, lack of grace, parental decisions that we make when it comes to our kids when they mess up. Let me, if you have a kid and they mess up and they're older, right? Usually what do you do? You lecture them, right? You lecture them. In the middle of the lecture, when they're sitting down, their, their brain turns off at some point. You see it, right? You have a kid, you're like, you're not even paying attention anymore. I even tell my son, don't make that face at me. What face? That face. Because you're not listening. And I want, what do I do? I want you to listen because I want you to feel the gravity of your mistakes. I want you to understand what you've done, why you did it. I want to ask you a million questions of why you are so sinful and you keep messing up. And then if you really make me mad, what do I do? Go to your room and think about it. For how long? Forever, right? Forever. When can I come back down? Maybe never, right? We'll talk about it. And you go upstairs and you think about it. And you what? You dwell on your mistakes and you dwell on your sin and you dwell on your issues and you figure it out. And when you figure it out and you can come back and give me a logical reason of why you continue to act like a messed up kid, then we'll be good. And because this is our relationship so many times in our lives because of our humanity, and I get it, like you're supposed to dwell, you're supposed to feel bad, you're supposed to understand, you're supposed to come to terms, you're supposed to give a logical answer as to why you kept doing those things. Because of that, we tend to inflect that on our relationship with God. Although it's not anywhere in the Bible. Like, like God in the Bible does not expect you to dwell on your sins. What's, what's the word dwell in scripture? Well, you'll read in the Bible that there is no condemnation. That's, that's a word for dwell. What's condemnation? Condemnation, it comes from Satan, and it's meant to tear you down, to separate you. Condemnation is a word that shows you the problem, right? Never gives you the answer. It's constantly saying your past, your sins, you're a loser, you're a failure, you were a mistake. We hear condemnation. That's a dwell word. I'm going to dwell on my past. I'm going to dwell on my affairs, my abortions, my addictions, everything I've done wrong in, in my life where I feel bad about it. I'm going to dwell on it because if I dwell on it and I feel bad enough about it and I come up with a logical reason of why I did it then maybe God will take me back and I just want to free you today God does not expect you to dwell on your sins the other word that's biblical that's from God is conviction so condemnation shows you the problem gives you no answer conviction it shows you the answer the answer is the blood of Jesus Christ it washes you as white as snow it forgives you it makes you righteous because of what he's done for you the sacrifice that he made for you on the cross and he wants you to know that you don't need to dwell on your sins some of you felt it before and you've run from it because you're like i don't think that if god was for me that i would feel this but it was god saying no no there's a better way for you i have a bigger plan for you i'm not done with you yes you messed up but you are not messed up 
He doesn't expect you to dwell on your sins. In fact, Scripture tells you over and over and over again in Isaiah 30, it says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. 1 John 1 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Listen, he doesn't want you to dwell on your sins. Let me just give you another one. He doesn't expect you to repay the debt of your past. This is the birthing ground for religion, by the way. Religion... Sorrow realizes, oh my gosh, I'm a messed up individual. Not only am I, have I messed up, but I have messed up more than I can even keep track of. And so religion is birthed here where you go, okay, I've messed up. God can't possibly love me unless I do a list of things. I'm going to change the way I dress and change how I talk and change my hairdo. And I'm only going to you know, eat this type of food. And, and I'm going to go to church this many times a month. And I'm going to read the Bible for this long every day. And I'm going to sing this song every day. And I'm going to pray this prayer. And I'm going to point towards a certain direction. And I'm going to, I'm going to atone. I'm going to pay the, 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 the penalty of my sin. I'm going to repay all the things that I've done. And here's what we do. We overcompensate, we overwork, and we overvalue our own effort. And we're just left hopeless. Beat season's coming, amen? Some of you are like, I'm not ready for beat season, right? But it is coming. Remember when you were a kid, you lived on the northeast, you went to the, the, the beach, the shore, and uh, you built a sandcastle, and you put a moat around it. You know what I'm talking about? You make a moat, put a little, little sand bridge, you dig with your fingers, dig it out, and you're like, I just made a sandcastle with a moat. And then you're like, I'm going to get my bucket, and I'm going to go fill this moat with water and you go and with all of your might because it's heavy, you go get it and you fill it up and you dump it in and you think it's great and you're like, I got it. And you go back and you, you're like, I need one more bucket load and you go back and you, and you come back and the, the water's gone. <laughs> right? And then you're like, I got it. You fill it and you do it again. You're like, just stay. And you run back to the ocean and you get another bucket of water. You come back, it's gone. Remember the, remember the three stooges? You're doing that. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and you start, you're like, ah, and that, that, that's, that's, that's how sin is in our lives. We're, we're going to clean this up. Look what I'm doing, God. Here's what I'm doing. And by the time that you figure out how to pay for that sin, you've done 10 more sins. <laughs> Look at my effort, God. I'm cleaning up this sin. I'm talking nice to my kid that I've talked meanly to for 27 years. God, look what I'm doing. And as you're talking nicely to your kid, you're using all of your spiritual energy to do that. And your wife is ticking you off now. And it just keeps evaporating. That's what a work-based faith looks like. You're working. I'm tithing and I'm serving and I'm coming to church and I'm doing all these things and I'm trying to repay the debt that I have paid. But you just keep making charges and your card is maxed out. You don't have to repay the debt of your sin. In fact, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 11. He says, come to me if you're weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. What does he say? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is like your debt has been paid in full a few years ago i had to get work done on my teeth i didn't i got a few a few life uh beliefs that have not served me well in my lifetime one of them was my when i was when i was 18 my parents stopped paying for the, the dentist and so it was i was out of the house and it was kind of over and i was like i'm not going dentist my teeth feel fine you're a kid, you don't want to go to the dentist, right? When your parents are like, guess what we have today? Dentist support me. You're like, yeah, this is great. You're like, I hate the dentist. No offense if you're one, but. So I didn't go. My teeth didn't hurt. I got beliefs, right? Like my beliefs are like, if, if your teeth don't hurt, you're fine. If your car's running, why you got to get it inspected? 
I got to take it to a guy who pulls it open, tells you, tells you the rotator cuff is broken and fixes it, charges you 700 bucks. Rotator cuff is not a real part of a car. I know that. <laughs> Some motorhead's like, I'm never going back to that church again. <laughs> so I just, I just, what I believe. So I didn't go, I didn't go to the I got a toothache when I was 24 years old. It hurt so bad. I was at camp actually in the middle of Oklahoma. It was over 100 degrees, a Pentecostal camp. You can only wear pants, no shorts. Right? <laughs> and so my tooth hurt, so I went and got it, went to the dentist when I got home. He pulled it. It was, I got 30 some teeth. I'm like, it's fine, right? <laughs> pulled my tooth. And uh, then he was like, oh, we're going to take an x ray. So he took an x ray. He was like, you got 14 other cavities. Now, I swear to you, I brushed my teeth. <laughs> but I was like, they don't hurt. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. So keep rubbing, brush those cavities away, right? So I got to here, we started a church. I was chewing on a straw. Another one of my teeth broke. I was like, I think I should probably go get these cavities confirmed. I went and got it. They were confirmed. $5,000 of dental work later. I'm on a payment plan. Little side note, go to the dentist, y'all. <laughs> I'm paying it off. I'm here. I'm 20, 25 years old. I don't have $5,000 extra dollars to pay for, for, for root canals and caps. And so I'm making payments. It takes me two and a half years. I'm paid it, paid it off. It gets down to the end of the year. I get a note in the mail from Aspen Dental. I had about 613 or something dollars left on my bill, and Aspen Dental sends me, sends me a note, and it says, your debt has been paid in full. To which I was not like, let me call them real fast. Hey, I'd like to pay off my debt. I know somebody paid it, but, but I, you know, it says in the Bible I should pay off my debt, so I, I'm going to keep sending these payments in and pay this off because, you know, I'm, that's, that's who I am. I'm a man of God. I'm going to pay this off. You know what I did? I didn't even call them. I crumbled that paper up. I did the same dance I did last week. Hey! I'm debt free. I'm telling you, the Lord does not expect you to repay your debt. You are debt free when you come to Christ. You're still trying to pay for it. He's saying, man, you're, you're being religious. We're already good. I've adopted you into my family. Let me just give you two more. Number, number three is this, is God does not expect you. This is going to be good news. But it also might make a type A personality mad, right? God does not expect you to be perfect. God does not expect you to, to, be, to be perfect. Listen, here's what I found in my own life. When it comes to uh, my walk with God, because I'll carry around shame, because I've made mistakes, because I have baggage, because I'm a worker, so I want to work it off. It just makes sense. Because I carry around shame two things will happen, and it can be different for your own life, but for me, uh, it'll, uh, it'll show itself in how I am with people. I'll become a people pleaser because I have shame. I don't think I deserve the right treatment, or I don't think, you'll see it. Like some of you, you're, you're in a relationship with somebody. You're, you want to get married. You carry around shame, and because of that, you're afraid to actually have expectations of that person because you don't think you deserve it. That's shame. That's shame. Instead of you having expectations based on what Jesus did for you on the cross, Shame. The other, the other thing that shame manifests itself in my life is being a perfectionist. I, 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 am a, I have an entrepreneur spirit, which means I love quotes. I love the quotes that say rise and grind, or you read a, quote, a, a basketball quote or a coaching quote, and I just love the, the work-based mentality. Listen, if it's, if it's difficult, just get up and, and work harder. Just make more effort. Be the first one there. Be the last one to leave. That is my mentality when it comes to my life, but it's also shame-based. You, you can go through life and never feel validated in your effort, never feel like you're important enough, 
never feel like you're, you're good enough. And so you start to feel the, the shame, the weight of trying to earn it. And some of you, because you're shame-based, you are, you're, you're deeply, deeply hurt where you're trying to be a perfectionist. You're trying to impress God. Sometimes when you, when, you, when you want to get on Google and research the Bible, there's a verse in the Bible that says, your best actions are but a filthy rag in the sight of a holy God. Now, don't do it right now, but if you want to have some fun later on, Google the verse and Google what the filthy rag is that, that the, the prophet is speaking about. And then email me because you'll be laughing. And so, your best is not good enough is what he's saying. Everybody starts with sorrow. Everybody messes up. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. So the other side of it is freeing. God does not expect me to be perfect. God doesn't expect me to hold him up with my actions because I was never holding him up in the first place. I don't have to be perfect. Think about your kids. They live a life like this, most of them. Some, some reason we adult too much in our, in our walk with God. We try to be the mature one. Listen, you are a child of God. So you can take yourself out of that position. You're doing it everywhere else, a lot of you. And you can place yourself under the covering of a father that loves you. This Friday, we took my, my, my kids out to, to eat, right? So it's went to Longhorn Steakhouse. I got, I got a lot of problems with family dinners out to eat. The reason is they never appreciated it. You know what I'm saying? Like they go, I let them get soda. We barely ever let them get soda. Then I get told by my wife, I told you so. Don't ever let them get soda. But I don't want to be the dad that never let them get soda. You know what I'm talking about? You meet somebody like, my parents never let me get a drink. I was like, man, you had a rough life, bro, right? But I also never had a cavity. Oh, that's my problem. I've been drinking soda my whole life. And so, so we, we let them get a drink. They pound, they pound Sprites, right? They're just drinking them, you know. So then the food comes. I know how much the food costs. I look at the menu price. They don't. Take two bites of their burger. They're full. Like it's the whole thing. Then I'm, then I'm in take. You're gonna eat all that food, right? You're gonna eat all that food, boy. And so you're just, just, just you're like, man, why we go out to eat? But we kept going. Went to Michael's. One of them had a school project, and then we went to Kiwi because I'm a glutton for punishment. I let them even get it themselves. I'm like, what? I usually I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I'll do it, right? But I let them just get whatever they want. Harrison didn't eat it all. Wasted money. I paid for all this stuff. All I need them to do is be, be good. That's it. Just be good. Just be sensible. Just be mature. Don't be little boys, right? We get home. It's like eight, 9 o'clock at night. We have soccer the next morning, but it's not bedtime yet, right? Like, I, I can't. We, we're past that. We're, I got a 13-year-old. I'm like, you know, 9 o'clock is a little early on a Friday night, even though I would like it to be bedtime. And so... So they're arguing upstairs. They're in that stage where they fight. If they're breathing and they're up, they're fighting. And so they're arguing. And finally, I'm downstairs. And I'm like, just go to bed. They're like, what? I'm like, everybody go to bed. Just day's over. Go to bed. I'll see you in the morning. And so they went and got in their beds. And they were out so quick that I didn't even get to come in and tell them good night. They were just sleeping. I was like, thank God. Like, thank you, God. And here's what I would think would happen. This is what we would do with God. Right? We've messed up so many times. So the next day, we're going to get up and we're going to try real hard. We're going to be real perfect. We're going to put so much effort into pleasing our Father, which, which I wish is how my kids would wake up. We're going to wake up tomorrow, and by golly, we're going to get along, and we're going to pick up together, and we're going to sing together before. We're going to go to soccer. We're going to have a good attitude, and everybody's going to brush their teeth, and nobody's going to whine, and everybody's going to put their soccer socks on, and everybody's going to be perfect because the night before, I spent money on burgers you didn't eat and kiwi you didn't eat, and I took you to Michael's and got you stuff for a school project for the thousandth time this year. 
Just be perfect. They get up and they start. It's like they didn't even go to bed. <laughs> Arguing. He's looking at me. He's breathing wrong. He's eating this wrong. And I'm just like, and it just, they don't care. You know what they're not thinking? Mm, this might be the dead guy that my dad's done with me. They don't care. They just assume that stuck with us. <laughs> and they're right. They're little boys. I'm the father. Listen, you don't have to be perfect with God. In fact, I love the story of the couple. They, they were going to marriage, marriage counseling. They were going to get divorced. The marriage counselor said, let me, give, let me get 30 days. Give me 30 days. Here's the one exercise I want you to do. I want you to do the fault box. Everybody has a fault box. Wife, husband. Every time the other person messes up, makes you mad, breathes wrong, looks at you wrong. Don't say nothing. Write it down. Put it in the fault box. So they do it. Wife keeps track. Husband put it in the fault box. End of 30 days, they sit down to have a family meeting. Wife goes first opens up her fault box, begins to pull out the paper one by one, open them up. And she has all sorts of issues with her husband. You snored. She opens another one up. You left, the, you left the cabinet doors open. You put your clothes not in the hamper. You put them beside the hamper. You left the toilet seat up. Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about, husbands. You breathe. Like all these things, right? <laughs> so she went after him, the jugular. You weren't perfect. So he opens his box. And he begins to, to, to pass her the papers. She was ready. She's ready to argue. She opened them up. And the first one said, I love you. Yeah, that's, that's a money move right there, y'all. <laughs> you made me mad, but I still love you. Next one, open it up. What do you think it said? I love you. Went through the entire box, everyone, simultaneously, everyone. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Po point is, you made me mad. You fell short. You're not perfect, but I love you. I love you when you fail. I love you when you're good. I don't love you less when you run. I don't love you more when you obey me. I just love you. Come on, there's freedom here today when you realize I don't have to be. I'm not in this thing because I'm perfect. I'm anything but. Let me just give you one more thought. Number, number, number four it is God does not expect you to clean up your situation. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. He doesn't expect you to pay off your debt. He doesn't expect you to be really, really sorry. And even more importantly, if you're in the middle of a situation that is messy, God is not saying, go out, spend the next week, make everything right, come back here, and we can have a relationship. You know the one expectation he has for you? Invite me into your mess. Invite me into your mess. If you're a parent, if you've got a toddler, and they make a mess and they try to clean it up on themselves, they just compound the mess, right? My, my, my kids spilled paint. I could have just wiped it up. Now I got paint in my Dyson. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of, you're like, just ask, right? You're still my kid. I still love you. You're gonna fall short. We're gonna be okay, but invite me into your mess. And I just, I just wanna encourage you. So many times in church, there's this, there's this worldly sorrow where like, you're like, I can't tell anybody. I can't ever tell anybody. I, I can't. And, and then because, because you know it's there, you just keep compensating, overcompensating on much. You're just, you're just going to figure it out. You're just going to get religious. You're just going to be loud. You're just going to be aggressive. You're just, and it just gets worse. And God says, stop, stop. Just let me, let me clean it up for you. Let, let me step into your life. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. 
didn't come for the perfect people, for the people who had it all together, for the religious people, for the pious people, for the proud people. I, I came for, for those that, that know they need help, that know they need, that they're sick. You don't go to the doctor if you have the answers. You go to the doctor when you're desperate. Spiritually, he says, come to me. I'll clean it up. I'll clean it up. Would you stand with me to, to your feet? Would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And I, I just want to, I want to close in prayer. And I, I wonder if you're here in, in Phoenixville, you're in Montgomeryville. I wonder if I'm speaking to you today. Nobody looking around in this moment. I wonder if as, I, as I've been speaking that there's somebody in this place that shame is, is, is who you are. Like you, you feel it. You're, 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 you feel broken. You, 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 feel, you feel the weight of your mistakes. You, you feel shame. To be honest, you feel hopeless. You, you wonder if, if there is a God, if he could ever use your life. Which, can I just tell you, is why I love to read the Bible. Because the guy who wrote Corinthians, he, he gets this. He, he would have struggled with shame. See, his original name was Saul. If you read the Bible, the book of Acts, you'll be introduced to a man named Saul. And Saul, he hated the church. In fact, he was responsible for the first member of the early church being killed for his faith. He led a mob. He was such a leader, such an enemy of the church that uh, the religious people sent him on a mission to hunt down other church people, arrest them, and kill them. So he had made a lot of mistakes and then the Lord stepped into his life and the Lord changed him. See, I found you can live your life two ways. You can live your life trying to change, focusing on changing, making an effort to change, or you can meet the one who can actually change you. So Saul has this moment with Jesus on the road to Damascus. You can read about it in the book of Acts. And Jesus comes in and he saves him, he changes him, and he calls him. And he spends the rest of his life on this earth sharing the gospel that's changed him. But I can tell you, there's sections of his life where he's in prison because of his faith. That I think if he wasn't careful, that as he looked at those concrete walls that surrounded him, that he would begin to see in the reflection the mistakes of his past prior to when he met Christ. And he would have to preach this to himself. There is no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. For I'm adopted as a son into the family of God that before the foundations of the world that God was going to save me and change me that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise so maybe you're here and you struggle with your, the weight of your past listen, sorrow is where we all start and you can allow it to lead you to death or you can make the decision friend to turn your life towards Jesus the Bible says Jesus came and he died for the sins of the entire world. He was placed in a tomb, in a grave, and on the third day he rose in power. He defeated both death and hell. He secured our position in heaven. He adopted us into the family of God. And when you turn your life to Christ and you repent of your sins, by turning your life, man, you're saved, you're set free. You get to live a life of freedom with no regret. Or you can keep holding it. Man, worldly sorrow brings death. 
So maybe you're here today and you said, you're talking to me. I don't know your situation, but it feels like I'm talking to you. And you're like, what am I supposed to do? The Bible says, if you would just call in the name of Jesus, if you would just call in the name of Jesus, you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is your, is your God, that he is your Lord, that he is your Savior, and that he is your friend, that he did what I said he did, that you would be saved. So come on, if that's you all over this place, the Spirit of the Lord is here to break your shame today. You are not a prisoner of your past. He has a plan for your life. He has a future for you. He can use your life. He can use even the mistakes. The Bible says God uses all things for his good. You can carry it yourself or you can give it to him today. So come on, if that's you right here in Montgomeryville online in Phoenixville, that's you. I'm talking to you. You know I'm talking to you. It's almost as if the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart. I want to pray with you as we close. I'm not going to make you come forward and I'm not going to call you out. But I simply want to know that that's you. I want you to remember this day, this April Sunday, 2021. And so when I ask you if I'm speaking to you and you're saying, man, I need to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want him to come into my life and set me free. When I ask you in a second if that's you, I just want you in faith to shoot your hand straight towards heaven. No shame, no fear. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. So come on, if that's you all over our houses, would you just begin in faith to shoot your hand towards heaven? Come on, I see a few hands over here. Hand, 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 hand. Yeah, yeah. So, something, something's happening. Hand back here. Yeah. If you're in Montgomeryville, you're just going to keep your hand up. We're going to know. We're going to pray with you as we close. Maybe you're online and you're going to say, hey, you're you're talking to me. Just type it in the chat right there and they're going to let me know. And we're going to begin to pray. And here's what we're going to begin to pray. With everybody's head bowed, everybody's eyes closed, I'm going to pray the Spirit of, of, of God, the Holy Spirit, He would just sweep across this room right now. Like you would, you would, you would feel, feel Him right now. This is not a religious moment where we're, we're prepared. We're, we're going to step out of the way, and the Spirit of God is just going to sweep. And when He sweeps across this room, both in Montgomeryville and, and, and online right here in Phoenixville, stuff's going to change. Something's going to break. Something's going to shift in your life. You're going to feel free for the very first time. The Bible says you're going to become a brand new creation in Jesus' name. What was true of you when you got here, come on, amen, is no longer true of you. Something's changing. Somebody else in this room, you are a Christian, but man, you struggle immensely with your past. You're a brand new person. When you're forgiven, you're forgiven as far as the east is from the west. No more dwelling. No more trying to pay. Your debt has been paid in full. Something's shifting right now. Somebody's been carrying the weight of your mistakes for a long time, and something's going to shift. The Spirit of God is going to manifest right now in this room. Come on, let's pray all over these houses. Lord, we love you. We love you. We thank you for what you're doing in Montgomeryville, for those that are responding, for those online right now. And Lord, right here in Phoenixville, Lord, your, your power is, is, is here. Your presence is going to manifest right now in this place. And Lord, unmistakably, something's going to shift. Something's going to change. Something's going to be broken in people's lives because of the power of Jesus. There's somebody coming to faith in you right now. And, and Lord, they have tried for years to change They've made every effort, read every book. But the Bible says one moment with you is better than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, something is shifting and changing in their life. There's some addiction that's being broken. Lord, there, there's a feeling of hopelessness that's being restored. There's somebody that feels, that feels like they're shattered, like they've lost a piece of themselves. Lord, you're bringing it all to be- back together in, in an even better manner. 
You're a restorer. You're a redeemer, Lord. And Lord, we're grateful for the work you put in on the cross. Lord, we get to live in the shadow of your grace. The shadow of your grace. Lord, we love you. I thank you for all that you've done today. All that you're going to continue to do as we have one more experience. Lord, we thank you for how you're building this church. And the Bible says the gates of hell will not stand against it. Lord, be with us the rest of this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, one more time, church. Let's shout amen today. Let's clap a little. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.